What is up, everybody? Welcome to Mongol Sponsor of Up Next Scarves. I'm Mike. With me is Kevin Josh. The Hounds played last Wednesday, and we're going to talk about that game, but there was also so much international soccer going on that we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about that as well. So, guys, first, how was your weekend without Hounds games? I mean, obviously, there were other games going on, but Josh, what, uh, what were you up to this weekend? Um... I don't, you know, what what did I do this week? Oh yeah, we uh um watched Black Widow. Uh, oh nice, yeah. I ended up getting it on the Disney Plus, like where you mm-hmm. buy it, like you you buy it, you don't actually buy it, but you yeah. like essentially get it three months early on Disney Plus if you pay thirty bucks. So I just had a whole bunch of people come over, and we all split the cost, so it ended up being like way cheaper than a movie ticket. So nice. That was did cool. you did you see that um what Disney announced how much money Black Widow made. It was like 270 mil on opening weekend and like 60 mil of that was from Disney Plus. Wow. That's, I yeah. mean, I believe it. Like it was super convenient and like I have a home theater set up. So it's like, okay, 120 inch screen and like, it's like a movie, it's yep. smaller setting. So just having people over and watching it was essentially the same as going to a movie except for you just knew everyone in the theater. Yep. Yeah, we did we did something similar where we watched it at home and it was just more or less um, still a little bit paranoid about some of the kids and not being vaccinated. So we were on the fence until the last minute and then I was like, heck with it. We're just going to do it and watch it at home. But we enjoyed it. Yeah. Kev, what, uh, what were you up to this weekend? I had my own little uh, Disney Plus excursion and uh, we watched the critically acclaimed film uh, Mighty Ducks 2. And... <laughs> Wonderful. Um, no, I like I, I tr- like I ended up tricking Riley, uh, my wife, into it somehow. Um, it, like we were getting ready for bed, and like Disney Plus was just up because I think we just finished something. And I was like, let's just watch like the first ten minutes. And uh, yeah, next thing we knew, it was like eleven thirty, and she was like, "How did you get me to watch all of this terrible movie?" <laughs> uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Did she say <laughs> terrible? Did she say terrible? Terrible, but like in like in the best way possible right like it was like we were laughing and poking fun at it like but like looking back on it like those refs in that game were hilarious like people were literally <laughs> airborne like like headbutting and they were like nah it's all good like you can do that uh yeah it was I terrible like, in that way there's the three movies right they didn't make a fourth yeah. it was just three and then no. we have the tv show now i i honestly i like all three movies like all three are like maybe it's just nostalgia but i'm like solid movies Oh, I mean, growing up as a kid, like they were legit. Like you're like, oh yeah, when you see them like rollerblading through the mall and like jumping over <laughs> the guy in the concrete thing, and like now you're like, nope, that's not no, nope. nope. it's so campy. Well, but like and just be, being an adult, it just changes your perspective. Like yeah, when they're like going through the construction workers, like yeah. now I'm just like, that's just rude. They're just trying to do their job. Like, <laughs> Bombay drives out onto the ice in the first yeah. movie. He's like, just drive out onto the ice. I'm like, that's endangering children, sir. <laughs> I don't care how well you know the ice. Like, that's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> Kev, the little, like, let's just watch the first 10 minutes is, like, the perfect. I do that so many times with the kids where there's something. They're like, we don't want to watch this. I'm like, just first 10, 15 minutes. If you don't like it, we can veto it and shut it off. Yeah. And, like, before you know it, you're 45 minutes in and they're hooked. And it's like, yeah. okay. Suckers. Yeah. Suckers. European <laughs> Union level diplomacy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that's not exactly a segue, but uh, let's uh, let's talk some soccer because we have so many games to talk about that we're probably yeah. only going to spend a few minutes talking about each. As we go through them, if you guys have thoughts um, about any of the games that we're going to discuss, let us know in the comments. Um, as you can see behind me, 
we have a really sweet Pittsburgh Hotspurs jersey. And if you look very closely, which you probably can't see on the stream, uh, they used uh, very uh, cleverly all of the names of the sponsors to make the skyline of Pittsburgh. And Mongols is listed on here. So we're going to be giving this jersey away. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about how later. But uh, guys, first game that uh, we need to talk about is the first game that happened. It feels like it was a lifetime ago. Hounds played the battery, drew 1-1 after a uh, – well, I was going to say it was after a delay. It was not after a delay. It was played early. Uh, it started at 4 to avoid uh, any of the rain from um, the hurricane that came through. I mean, we had talked about going into this game how if the Hounds would have won, it would have been, you know, it seemed like 90% of the games during their stretch, they would have won, which would have been fantastic. It would have been great to go out uh, after, I think it was 10 games in 40 days, to go out with a win there before they get a 10-day break. That didn't happen. Um, what, do you, what are your guys' thoughts of this game? How did you feel after it was over? How do you feel now that you know a few days have passed? Is it something that we dwell on a lot? Kev, what, what are you thinking here? Well, that was a good performance. I mean, I, I thought we created more chances than than Charleston did. Um, I think even even the goal that Charleston get, I think we're a bit unlucky. I mean, VTL kind of comes out and throws his body at it, hoping, but hoping in like the best statistical way that like I feel like like seven times out of ten, yeah, that body, uh, the the that ball hits VTL's body and goes away from the Charleston player, not towards him. Um, so even at that, I thought Charleston kind of got a lucky bounce for their goal. And apart from that, I can't, I can't think of any, any more significant chances that Charleston had, um, where we created. <clears throat> we had a lot. Yeah. I mean, th there was at least two goals I can think of that were cleared off the line, um, by a Charleston defender. Um, and it just so happens that we end up scoring probably on arguably one of the, the least, um, likely chances um where you know and you know it comes late and and williamson's kind of puts his head down and just you know smashes it and is kind of hoping for for something and it goes in the top corner but um but i thought it was also it was kind of like this is what i've come to expect with these group of players um you know dixon on the ball again is just quality um you know that that midfield is is dynamic and knows how to play with each other and yeah i mean like the one touch pass, the quick movement, and, and just like the, the, the setup play uh, to create chances was really fluid um, and really, yeah, just quick. And and that's what's creating our chances this season. And uh, I mean, that that's what that was the trend that started, you know, six games ago or so. And, um, you know, we get a hiccup when, when these players don't play together. And, and you know, when they come back playing together, we, we see what we've come to expect now. Yeah. Josh, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, I the whole time watching the game, I never thought they were playing badly. It wasn't like I was like there's been games in the past where it's like, oh man, they're just not showing up. It's it's even after they went down a goal, they were fighting hard and I thought they had the better of the play the, the whole game. It's just, you know, a matter of time it felt like and when we finally did get that goal. Yeah, like I I have no complaints about this game. It sucks that we, you know, got an early goal against us. I still feel like Videello. Um, wait, was it Video? I'm sorry, I just forgot if it was Video or Leaker. Yeah, it's Videello, right? Videello, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, he came out, 
made himself big, tried to stop it, and it, it bounced off him. And he, you know, it, it was a lucky bounce for uh, the guy who scored. And that's what it is. It's so oh, I feel like it would have been a very different feel if it wasn't for that early goal uh, because I definitely thought we were the better team. So, yeah, it's hard to be too upset about getting a point away from home. Yeah. It definitely felt like one of those games, too, where I was happy that we got the goal late in the game, but it just felt like it was going to be one of those games where we're just knocking on the door all night, and it just wasn't our night. And, you know, we've talked a lot of soccer over the past few years, and sometimes that's just the game. It's You could show up and be great and just not catch a break that you need, and that's what it is. And that's sort of what it felt like. I will say that I thought it was interesting um, – Perez keeps getting playing time basically out on the wing and Lily brought him and uh, Williamson in late and they seem to have a bit of a connection. I don't know if it's like the whole like rookie and the team getting used to each other, want to show off. They both have a bit of flair uh, that they like to play with, but um, it'll be interesting. Lily has a, uh, has a press conference tomorrow that we're going to attend. Might have to ask him about Perez and sort of the, the mark that he's making. Like I said, we had talked about this, I think in the last episode where, the feedback from the guys during training tra- training camp and preseason was that Perez was this guy to look out for, and we were all expecting him to play higher up the field. But putting him out on wing has given some chances. I mean, he scored just a few games ago against Loudon out there. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see. Any other uh, any other takeaways or thoughts from this one, guys? I mean, you know, away from home, you know, we we make more than double their passes over the, over the course of the entire game. I'm, I'm looking just at the general stats of the game right now. Um, I mean, yeah, they, Charleston complete 276 passes. We create, we create 599, uh, practically 600. Um, our pack, pass accuracy is up in the mid eighties, which is what you want to see. And I guess I'm just reminded of in seasons gone by, this, you know, this has not been the case in, in seasons gone by when we had pass accuracy in the eighties, we'd be really happy. And, and now it feels pretty regular that we're, we're getting past accuracy in, in, in the mid to high 80s. And, and yeah, I, I, to, to get, I don't know, I, 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 it's a bit uh, reminiscing. Um, but before we started recording today, um, I definitely had the thought of a, a draw away from home being the better team and creating the chances that we did. You know, this, this would have felt incredible three years ago. Um, we, we were begging for a draw or win. And now this is standard. I mean, this is... This is the level that we we've come to expect as fans, and I think it's it's a yeah it's I don't know I, I don't want to say anything cheesy, right? but yeah it's, <laughs> it's we spent it's, the first five minutes talking about D two Kev, so don't yeah, worry about it. We're, we're, we're beyond that. Yeah. Um. After this game, uh, the Hounds announced that we got defender Tom Judge on loan from Nashville SC. Uh, who is, it? as I mentioned, a defender. And that's good news because both Jelani Peters and Mikhail Williams are both with Trinidad uh, with the Gold Cup right now. So we are sort of light on defense. So this break seemed to come at just the right time. We'll kind of see when we may get those guys back. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just a little bit of uh, Hounds news there. Um, up next, unless you guys have anything else you guys want to talk about as it relates to this game? Otherwise, we're just going to keep rolling. No, I mean, it's, you know, it was a point. I'm happy we got it. That's pretty much it. Moving on. I want to talk quickly about Hotspurs. So, again, Jersey, more info coming. Uh, Hotspurs won their last game of the regular season, the men's team, won the last game of the regular season 3-0 against the Rochester Lancers. So now they are headed to the playoffs. 
so the next game will be in the quarterfinals on July 20th. There's still a few more games left to be played, so we don't know who they're going to be playing yet. Um, but they ended the season uh, basically second in their division. They beat every single team they played except Cleveland, who beat them twice and ended up first in the division. So, like, they totally rolled the Rust Belt division, which was just like, Mwah. congrats, guys. Uh, that is awesome. Best of luck as they head in playoffs here so soon. We'll have another show before then, so we'll wish you luck again, um, <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll give the jersey away. But, uh, but yeah, awesome stuff from Hotspurs this season. Um, all right, let's get into uh, the international stuff. I, maybe we'll start in the order that it happened. So Saturday night was the uh, Copa America, Argentina against Brazil, Messi versus Neymar. This was the game that everybody said Messi has to win or he's not going to go down as the best player ever. And, you know, they win one nothing. Messi missed a sitter that could have, like, oh. iced it at the end. Um, turns out he was injured uh, and, and playing with an injury. But um, it, did, did Argentina have to win this for Messi to go down as, like, one of the best players ever? No, I, I don't think that's true. I, I think it's awesome that he did get this, you know, kind of like the chip off his shoulder. Like this was the one thing that he was missing. So it's like, all right, cool. Now he's one with his national team, uh, which is fantastic. But uh, it, no one was going to be like, mm, messy, man. He thought he was good, but he didn't get that. Trophy. <laughs> like, no, like no, that's stupid. Like he didn't need this, but you could tell how much it meant yeah. to him and the team. And like, so I don't really watch messy at all like i don't watch hardly any international soccer outside of like when we're in a competition the u.s mm -hmm. so i just put this game on on, on a fluke just goes like oh there's no hounds this weekend and just kind of like sure why not and yeah it it was fantastic to watch just because like you could tell like even as someone who's not really invested in this whole saga it, like it drew you in right away the drama of it like the that's one thing we always talk about is with sports like a lot of it is the the storylines off the field that kind of get you invested in what's going on on the field. So it was just like getting all that and knowing what it meant and just being able to watch it happen. was really cool. It was weird. Like I, production quality. Uh, I don't know about the choice that showing Neymar and like keeping his audio on as he's like bawling his eyes out on the field after the game. <laughs> and then like, but they like kept the mic on him. So you could hear him crying literally like, like, as they're showing like Messi being lifted up in the air and being like thrown and like everyone's cheering. Like why, why keep the audio on, on Neymar <laughs> crying the whole time? Like that seemed unnecessary. That felt a little bit weird, but other than that, you know, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Honestly, I, that speaks to, I don't know if this is the time and place to have the conversation, but um, why not Kev? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a really good example. So I, I didn't watch the final, um, but, uh, but what you just described there, Josh, of like keeping the audio on Neymar and everything, I don't know. It gets to this larger thing around soccer right now where every game is being built up as life or death. Like if you lose this, it's the end of the world. Like, and this is the worst thing that's going to happen to you. People, you like people are going to cry. You're going to feel terrible. It's going to ruin your way. And it's like, I, I, I was watching the, the Euro final, um, with Riley and like she admitted, she's like, I don't even care about this game and I'm really stressed. Like, and I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> I was like, look, in a good way, I mean, that means it, it means something, which, you know, you, you need things to mean something. Well, you don't need to, but 
when things when things mean something then sure you can get that bigger like jump of enjoyment but it's just all the dramatic shots and the build-up music and the slow-mo shots of the warm-up it's like okay we they're warming up like we don't need like we don't need to dramatize them you know stretching like it's just and so i but i don't know that's something i've felt lately and i think it's really coming to the fore with um uh the tournament play uh this this thing and like yeah like i was messy like even worth having a conversation about unless he's won an international tournament it's like come on can we just it's getting a lot it's getting it's it's getting to be like just a bit much and it's just like all right i need to i don't know i don't have a problem with that part of it my problem was focused on the negatives of the positive of of that drama like after messy you know everyone's celebrating you're seeing messy like it was okay to just like have it be their audio instead of Neymar's audio. Yeah, yeah. And then like afterwards, like a good, like five minutes later that, you know, Neymar comes over and hugs Messi and it's like a big deal. And like, the like it was really cool and emotional. Like, I don't know. The drama of that whole thing was perfect. It was just some editing choices there in the control room. Where I'm like, mm, okay, kind of went low when you could have gone high there, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you guys remember, there was a show, it might still be on, uh called the contender that it was a boxing show where it was like a reality <laughs> weirdly remember this. okay yeah. so it was, it was a reality based boxing show where like they put all these boxers into a house and you would like follow their journey and it would show them like home with their families and then like in the end two guys would fight in a ring and whoever lost went home i care nothing about boxing and neither does my wife But this show, like, figured out how to tell the narrative that every week you're tuning in and you are emotionally connected to it. And, Kev, I feel like the rest of the sports world has picked up on this, and that's what we're seeing. We're seeing this peak in soccer right now where it's just everything has a storyline, everything has a narrative. You have to know everything about every player's backstory because that's a story towards something else, towards – you know, we talk about the Euros and – We'll talk a second about like Saka and and sort of the position he was put in. But like there were clips that were released before the game. Like Saka's 19 years old, doesn't even know how to tie a tie. He was asking Jack Grealish how to tie his tie. Like those little story bits give you this emotional connection to these players in a way that we just didn't have years ago. And uh, yeah, I think we're about maybe two or three years away from every team having a like Sutherland or die what was the name of their tv like all, or die, yeah. Yeah, yeah like one of those type of shows for every single team yeah. like it's going to become a point where it's like the reality show aspect of it is just as hyped as the soccer aspect of it which i'm not saying is good obviously i do think it is nice sometimes to have the backstories and like just to know why to be invested in something like th- that's important to kind of get sports to be more than just you know a soccer game where it's like, okay, cool. They're, they're playing soccer. Like you want to know the history and you want to know the stakes. So you better understand and appreciate what's going on in the field. But I'm worried it's going to become to the point where we're, we're going to start getting more of a reality show feel where it's like fake drama instead of like the real drama of like what's going on. Well, I think it's like how the narrative gets delivered, right? Where like using the Neymar example, like just this small production tweak of just like, all right, let's just have all the cameras on Argentina and Messi. Like that's that's all you need to do. Um, or like, yeah, in the in the England Italy final, after the final, you know, after the final kick was taken in the penalty, um, I 
I mean, this is a subjective, you know, remembering of of the watching experience, but I re- it really seemed like if not half, then more than half, uh, or, or if not more than half, then half of like the camera shots were on England players like crying and everything. It's like, like just show the Italy players and let's show them in jubilation. It's coming Rome, whatever, you know, like, cool. Like let us celebrate in the joyousness of sport. And like, I don't need to feel terrible knowing that these players are going to get abuse online and abuse outside the stadium. And just, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just, it, it, I think it feeds into this thing of like, you know, we're not just talking about Chiellini and Benucci winning such a big tournament at the at near the end of their career. We're talking like this is going to be the worst day of Saka's life. Like, <laughs> right? It's like, I, come on. Like, like, I don't know. So it's it's things like that that I'm getting. I'm, it's getting tiring. I'm not saying I'm stepping away from soccer or football, but <laughs> well, it's just well, getting tiring. I don't want to say that we're that like the three of us are part of the problem, but like I literally was just had this conversation with a buddy at work where we were talking about what going back to Disney plus momentarily, what Marvel has seemed to do that Netflix has totally missed out on is when Netflix started doing all the streaming stuff, they release everything at one time and it's binge, 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 binge. And then that experience is pretty much done. You may talk about it for a few days, but that's it. What Disney plus has successfully done is basically brought back must see TV, but in a day and age where you have social media and YouTube and things like that. So it's not just the show, it's the show between the shows. It's the, let's have the YouTube videos that talk all about the shows and the fan theories and everything like that. So with soccer, you have the games on the weekends, but then you have the podcasts in between, you have the pregame stuff with the fans, you have the behind the scenes, you have all of this. And it's all just like, it's, it's just adding and building towards, you know, the, it's all money. Like we're not making any money out of it, but it's like this bigger and bigger thing of just like. Yeah. You know? I mean like, but this is like, I think England has been doing this a lot longer as far as this with soccer uh, about the drama in between the games, because like before it wasn't podcasts or streaming shows, it was the, the papers, like all the, the rags, the magazines, like having like drama behind the scenes stuff for all the players and the wives. And it's, it's been like this for, a long time, yeah. uh, especially in England. And even in America, you see that with like football and, and basketball and that kind of stuff, the, the drama. But it, it is to a point now where a lot more people are able to be involved in the drama, <laughs> like to report the drama and like kind of insatialize it and like twist it how they want it to be. So it's, it's interesting to see how it's happening in the internet age. And it's so much cheaper to make media now. Like a, a soccer team can have a documentary on youtube or whatever like where it's just like paying some intern to you know have a camera around the whole time or shooting with their iphone like you could totally see like even the hounds doing that or something like that pretty easily um if they really wanted to so it's it's going to be interesting to see like if it comes to the point where teams feel like they need to do that to stay relevant because if they don't have their perspective being seen the behind the scenes in you know uh, a reality show with the Rochester Rhinos happens as it's supposed to happen. Like yeah. if you have that, that team's going to get more followers who can sell more jerseys because people are going to feel more invested because they understand what's going on behind the scenes. So that becomes the norm. All the teams are going to have to do this in order to stay relevant um, outside of their market if they want to get more sales. So one question, and then we'll sort of circle back and move on. Is all of this good or bad for soccer? 
Kev? different. <laughs> Josh, different. Okay. I think it's probably good for the entertainment industry side of soccer. Like, I, like as Josh mentioned, I mean, if you look at it as a purely entertainment product, yeah, it just makes sense. Or again, as you were talking about, like the Disney versus the Netflix model of 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 how people interact with this product. Um, I think the more relevant question is, is this good for like soccer fans or fans? It's, in the it's sense- a good for like the growth of soccer in America. I, sure. Why not? I, and it depends on what you're defining growth as. If you mean growth as more eyeballs, meaning more ad revenue, meaning more resources in the game, probably I would say it's probably good. Um, but from like a fan experience, I don't know this. I, I'm now in my thirties and I'm starting to get like, Oh, when I was young, like, but um, <laughs> you literally just crossed into your, 30s. I know like, you um, but, like you're so old. I know. But, but like, I, I'm trying to reminisce and think like, so it's like, were the, were the high moments of my fandom when I, you know, when I was five years ago, were they as high as they are now? And were the lows, like as low as they were now, you know what I mean? Like if if that distribution just get wider or is it still just like, eh, that was a nice game or like, eh, that that wasn't, but oh, well, I get to move on with my day. I think the lows, the lows are probably lower now and the highs, I don't think they're as high as they were like when I was five, like five years ago as a fan. So I, to me, in my personal experience, it just seems like the scale has just moved down and I'm not, I'm, I'm more engaged with the sport now because of everything that we just talked about because of the fanfare around the, you know, the narratives and um, you know, the, the soccer industry is getting my time and my eyeballs more now. Um, But I don't know if I'm enjoying the product as much as I was like five years ago. How hyped were you when Liverpool won two seasons ago though? Like you were pretty hyped. The yeah, the Champions League, but I mean the Premier League because of COVID, especially, and it was a weird scenario. I I, I thought I was going to go over the moon when Liverpool won the Premier League, but it was such an exhale of like, okay, we finally did it, thank God. Like we don't like <laughs> it was that instead of uh, I'm going to go run out in the streets and bang pots or something. You know what I mean? Like it was that was a different experience and granted that was a year difference in a gap. And there's a lot of external factors going along that with COVID and everyone it was weird times. But um, I remember when Liverpool won the league, it was more of a, thank God we didn't mess that up instead of a, <laughs> instead of a, wow, that was great. Like, you know what I mean? There's a difference in that. I don't know. I, I feel like, especially for, if I, I put the focus on something like champ, like USA, uh, USL championship, like that kind of stuff. This type of stuff, I feel like, does offer one more engagement with the fans. So it, it's a look behind the curtain, and there's plenty of real life drama that you know has to be it, inherently involved with running a soccer team in the lower division in America. Like that, that has stress and stuff like that involved. Where I feel like you could. Even just showing the day to day, it would be boring to some people, but to others who are invested in the team, would be like super interesting and it'd make you more feel like you're more a part of that team and more engaged with their struggle and like understanding what they need to see happen to stay afloat. So I feel like for American soccer, especially lower division, it definitely has a potential to make it more relevant to a wider 
audience, not just turnstile sales. Like most lower league soccer, the only way they make money is if people come to the games and spend money in the stadium. So if they're not bringing people in, they're not making money. Something like this could be an opportunity for teams to make money outside of how they usually would make money. Like I could see, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I could definitely see like almost like a Patreon type of things going on for teams um, outside the market or just with jersey sales and scarf sales and that kind of stuff, helping a lot with, you know, being able to give their story to a wider audience. Um, so it has that potential, but I don't even know if it's going to happen for lower divisions because even though it's easier, it's still a little bit harder than, you know, just paying an intern. Uh, I'll just say I, quickly, I, I think like that, the access that you just described, I think generally is, is good in like, in, yeah, generally good. But I guess for me, it's just how it gets delivered. It's still yes. this kind of this. Yeah. And especially in the sense of like, are we celebrating the winners or are we just dumping on and criticizing the losers and how much of that, like how are we kind of weighing that and balancing that um, that gets tiring a little bit, but I, I, I agree. I think just like the access opportunities and building narratives around the club you care about or the team you care about or the group of players that you care about I mean, generally. Yeah, that's great. And it's going to be good for fans. It'll be good for teams. It'll be good for the sport. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think more of the positive, less of the negative. Um, you know, moving on to the Euro game, lots of negatives after this game, like lots of racist crap thrown at Rashford and some of the other players, which is just completely despicable. Like, there, there's no room for that at all. Um, Tyrone Mings has come out and been really vocal about you have people coming out and decrying that. But then, you know, earlier in the uh, earlier in the tournament, they were decrying the fact that players were kneeling before the game because they were like this, you know, why are you doing this? This doesn't need to be done. And then the same thing that you're saying doesn't need to be done. You're saying like, well, this shouldn't be done. And it's like, it's ridiculous people. Like it just, yeah. Anyway. Um, is any, uh, what are your thoughts on, the, uh, what are your thoughts on the final? Well, like I'll just, I'll, I turned on the final and we were in and out of the house and it was in basically extra time. And literally me and all the boys were on the edge of our seats uh, as it rolled into the into the shootout, which you hate to see a game like this decided in a shootout. But again, all the more you're on the edge of your seat. And it was just it was great. We had no horse in this race. And yet we were like all pulling for a side uh, because of that narrative. So how did you guys feel about the, the final itself? Josh, I just remember, I, see, I saw your tweet like mid game. You're like, wow, this started fast. And like, there's no way it's going to stay this yeah. way. And then you were like, yeah. It's <laughs> I mean, it started out so high energy and I'm like, holy crap, both teams really want this and they're going at it. And this is, this is what we're going to see all 90 minutes, probably even extra time. It's like, okay, about 10 minutes later, I'm like, you know, the minutia, the fact that neither side wants to let in a goal means that they're playing conservative and it was very much a intense game still like i still enjoyed the whole game all the way through but it was it was definitely a lot more like strategic than it was at the first you know 15 minutes of that game where it was just like both sides were just going at it um i mean as an everton fan watching this game 
Pickford was what I was focused on. I'm like, please don't screw this up. Please don't screw this up. Because <laughs> if he makes one mistake, then suddenly everyone's like, ah, Pickford's the worst ever, Tim, blah, 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 you know, crappy keeper. Like, and we've seen that happen with him in the past. So the fact that he had such a good tournament all yeah. around and then blocks two in the shootout, I was like, all right, sweet. Can't blame Everton for this, guys. <laughs> yeah, Pickford had a hell of a game and, you know, a, a fantastic uh, showing the whole tournament. So pretty awesome to see that. Yeah, you can't you cannot blame that shootout loss on Pickford. The fact that, like you said, he stopped too. like, yeah, you can't ask, you can't for, ask for more. Keeper. Like that, that's that's, you know, I think the I forget what Keeper said about like you can count on me to stop at least one is what you should expect. So, like, I need you guys to be showing up because I'll stop at least one of these. Yeah, and and Pickford did two of them, so you know, nothing wrong with that. Kev, did you? I mean, it sounds like you and Riley both watched the final together. How did? Yeah. How was that? Oh, it was great. I mean, I thought it was a really good game. I thought it. It, yeah, it slowed down around like thirty-five, um, and then the second half felt a lot more like, you know, a, a chess game that was pieces were just being maneuvered and something was building up and something was going to happen. And finally, you know, Italy get the goal. Um, I, yeah, no, I thought it was a really good final. I thought it was a really good tournament in general. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'd prefer it not to be solved, you know, solved on penalties, but no, I mean, it, cause I think also throughout, throughout the entire game, um, you know, when the, when the lineup comes out and at least it gets to, well, and, no, I mean, uh, fine. Yeah, he goes with Southgate goes with a back three, and and I was like, oh well, this. I was telling Riley before the game, I was like, this is going to be a boring game. Like England are coming out and they're going to be conservative. They're gonna they're gonna just be cagey and try to get a you know a goal in the in the in like the second half or whatever. And I mean anything but in the first half, um, it was high energy. And then yeah, so like there was a, there was a good thirty minutes where England were the dominant team. And you know things things sw- swing back over, and by the time the you know start in the middle of the second half, you know Italy were clearly the dominant team, and 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 were creating a lot more chances than than England. And so when you have two really good teams who are in good form in a final, and you have things kind of swing back and forth like that, I mean that's really exciting. Um, and yeah, I mean I, I think Italy are deserved winners. They're a really good team. Um, and it was yeah, it was a good game. Yeah, I Kev, you you had mentioned on the last episode, like, what do you think is going to happen with Southgate? Like, do you think he's going to go get a job somewhere else? What are you going to do? Over the course of this tournament, I've learned I'm not a fan of Southgate. Like, I feel like he 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 made too many personal choices and tried to sell them off as not being personal. Um, you know, this coming from a guy who supports Jack Grealish at Aston Villa and like <laughs> the fact is I was wondering, I was like, where is this coming from? The, look, like, the, ah, fact, Grealish. the fact that he like subs Grealish on and then 30 minutes takes him back off again. And like he, you know, Grealish is in here for the final. And when you look at Southgate telling the players who's going to take PKs, he had Grealish listed as eighth behind Pickford. He was going to have Pickford kick before Grealish. And it was like, and and then you have all these pundits coming out after the fact, like Grealish. Is t- how could Grealish let Saka, you know, take that last kick? It should have been him. Like it's his fault. And it's like, no, this is all Southgate's doing. Why would you put a nineteen-year-old? I, I, I don't know about that. Like, because you, you don't put a nineteen-year-old. You do not put a nineteen-year-old no, no, no. as the final yeah. kick. 
that, I, that, I, that I agree with. I think, I think there you can be the adult in the room and say, look, I appreciate any confidence that you're showing right now, but I'm taking this decision out of your hands and I'm not going to let you be short of that though. I've heard, no, no, no. I'm not saying, I, 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 yeah. I know just really quick. I, I've heard stories and scenarios where depending on the team, depending on the manager, a very legitimate, valid way to kind of roll out a penalty scenario is you just look everyone in the eye and see who's crapping themselves and who's confident. <laughs> and, and, and it's really like who fancies taking a penalty? Like, and it's, it's really as simple as that. So, and some players are better at taking pens than others. So I don't know, like it could like in that scenario, I never, I'm, cause I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how England want to pick up maybe Look, southgate is purely authoritarian and saying no i'm making every decision i don't well, care about on. any input from the player but i don't I, it could have been that not, not just to give you some background as they were rolling down the end time obviously they put in what uh rashford and sancho mm -hmm. at the end in the hopes that you know let's get their penalty takers on they get them on and then you see southgate there with his little notebook in his list with his assistant as the game's winding down and then literally the team was huddled and you can see Southgate going, you, and then you, and then you, and then... So he clearly had this... Now look, if Sokka scores this, he just made this kid's career. I mean, he's he's an amazing Yeah, but you don't player. do that, yeah. I know. He's an amazing player in the first place. He has a massive future at Arsenal, assuming he stays there. Um, was really, really impressed with all that I saw with him in this tournament. But you don't put him in that kind of... Like, let him I agree. go first. Like I like, why is Harry Kane stepping up first? Like, let, if you if you believe in him that much, let him go second or third. Like, there's less pressure. I mean, do you believe him that much? I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I I, I heard. Let like, uh, take all five. It's yes. fine. <laughs> I think the commentators were saying, like, I guess one of England's like policies for penalty kicks is they they want their best ones to go first, and yeah, so yes. that's why. It kind of goes in that way, but yeah, no. I don't know. It was very disappointing inning for England, and I felt like they had a solid chance of winning this. Like it, I didn't feel like they were being outplayed by Italy um, at all. So I don't know. I was I was rooting for them. I mean, just because again, I didn't want to see Pickford uh, made a fool of. So that was my biggest thing. Look, you talk about narratives. The table was set. The game was in London. The fans were all there. Like England hadn't won in like however long. Like this was it. This was going to be the swan song, the Cinderella story. Like, you know, Southgate burying all of his demons. And instead he, you know, ransacked his life. Yeah. <laughs> so. But congrats, Italy. It was congrats great. To Italy. I mean, they like great team. What they now they. They've won like 34 international games in a row. Um, I absolutely love Chiellini and uh, Benucci. I mean that. I mean the foul on Saka. I loved. I thought it was wonderful. So terrible. <laughs> it so was bad. terrible, but I loved. Like that um, should have been a red. I still think that's a red. Like you can't just pull someone down from the freaking collar and like just. It was cartoonish how how insanely like blatant it was. <laughs> Kevin is so giddy right now. I loved it. Him. Loved it. Uh, the one, the one guy that I work with who grew up 
in England. Um, I had a meeting with him today and I was just like, hey, hey man. And like, you know, as we left, he was like, arrivederci. Like he's just like full Italy now. Cause uh, yeah, his spirits were just snapped in half. So <laughs> you feel bad for them. But um, you know, at the same time, I think you just be like, well, tough, like get over it. We, we support the USA. So eh, we, we know your pain. Um, and to focus on the positive narratives of the outcome, I mean, yeah, it's it's nice for like two two of Italy's best ever center backs and Chiellini and Benucci teammates at Juventus, thirty four and thirty six years old, you know, in a team that really doesn't have the star power of years gone by. A lot of that falls with England. A lot of it falls with like France and Belgium. Um, for them to kind of lead their team uh, into in Euro final, I think it's great. Yeah, you just uh, killed my transition. I was gonna roll Sorry. over to. It's fine. You're good. Sorry. You're good. It's all right. You're good. Um, Gold Cup kicked off as well, which it, we sort of went from you know the super highs of the Euros to the Gold Cup with a USA team that beat Haiti one nothing. Um, Josh, you follow the MLS much more closely than Kevin. I literally the only name in the starting eleven that I recognized was Jossie Zardes. Um, were there more players that we should be excited about that you know of from MLS, or is this just sort of the state of the team right now? I did not watch this game, so I do not know. <laughs> I was watching Black Widow when this game happened, nice. so I know absolutely nothing. I just looked at the score and I'm like, "Sweet, we won." I'm happy about that. Uh, but yeah, well, I have look, to look up the lineup, but yeah. I mean, but let's, let's get into the bigger narrative here and Kev, you could sort of chime in on this as well. So U S men's national team won the nation's league final against Mexico, basically a month ago with a completely different roster filled with guys that all play in Europe. And basically Burhalter said, all right, guys in Europe, go back to Europe. You guys can go do preseason with your teams. We're going to bring in this whole nother roster for the gold cup. Like, first of all, that feels like a ridiculous luxury to just be like, oh, we're, we're going to keep those guys over there. I, it makes me feel like, should we care? Like, do should we care about this? Like, I can almost name every woman that was named to the U.S. women's national team roster that's going to play in the Olympics. And I can tell you Jossie's artist from the men's national team in the Gold Cup. That feels like there's something wrong there. Eh, I mean, they got the job done. So, I mean, that's <laughs> all they needed to do. I mean, do you have to bring out your A squad for this game? Probably not. I think I think the undertone of the past two minutes is, no, we don't care about this. <laughs> I mean, honestly, with the Gold Cup, though, like the more interesting game, one as a Hounds fan, but also just as a narrative, was the Mexico versus uh, Trinidad and Tobago yeah. because two Hounds players – uh, was it Williams and um, Peters? Peters were on Trinidad's team, Trinidad, yeah. and they end up drawing zero zero against Mexico, which is like awesome for uh, that yeah. team. So it, it that was I watched that one, and that was awesome. And the fact that Mexico was pressing so hard and like attacking, we really got to see both the Hounds players, you know, show up and like do a great job of keeping Mexico at bay. So that was pretty awesome as a hounds fan watching that game yeah no i agree 100 and i guess that just gets back to like we, we have all of this international excitement and it comes back to our own nation is playing and we're like eh, yeah whatever yeah. that was more local local and watching the hounds yeah, instead of right. like the hounds players that were in the international play so 
yeah, that's well, where my focus was on. The the men's team are back in action on Thursday against Martinique, and then Canada on Sunday. Um, so we'll see if we feel any different as the week rolls on about whether or not we should watch this or, you know, guys, honestly, I, I've been more hooked on what's been going on in Europe in the off season. And now that euros are over, like the, you know, the crazy signing spree of teams trying to snatch up as many players as they can. I just figured that I would ask before we, we transition here to talk about the hounds upcoming game this weekend. Is there anybody that you're watching that you're hoping that your team might sign any, any players that you're tracking? I think one of the big key news is this isn't related to England where we all have teams, but the fact that Messi is still without a contract in Barcelona, and if Barcelona has any hopes of signing him, they have to dump $200 million from their payload in order to sign him or any other players that they want to bring in at this point. So, like, they are in dire straits, and there is a very good chance that Messi does not end up playing for Barcelona because La Liga said enough is enough. You cannot be spending this much on players anymore. So, like... If Messi becomes a free agent, what happens there? I, I, I mean, Messi the hounds, obviously. That's <laughs> logical obviously, conclusion. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, I did, like, for a second, just think about that. Though. Like, <laughs> no, I will what? not. No, I know. <laughs> come on. It's but, like, instantly. Would we ever like lose a game again? Because like, I think Messi could probably single-handedly score like three or four goals a game. Easily. No, here's what happens because it's such a low level of play. Messi goes on for one game. Some jerk on another team who's like trying to like, I get to play against Messi, ends up breaking his leg because he doesn't true. know what the heck he's doing it's and true. gets overexcited. And then Messi's career is completely over because he played in some like, you know, third, second division US watch team. Your, watch yourself, Josh. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you, you know, you don't let Messi play on any USL yeah. side. <laughs> and he wouldn't, he wouldn't play on turf anyway, so it doesn't matter. Well, that's true, exactly. <laughs> so, um, it's like Drogba, when Drogba played for Phoenix. He just didn't play on turf. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on Messi, or if there's anybody you're keeping an eye out for that you really hope that either Liverpool or Everton sign, or hope that somebody ends up somewhere. What are your, Kev, what are your thoughts on the the crazy transfer season. I mean, I, two quick caveats before I talk about it. Once again, we all need to be conscious of like the economic field uh, in in the wake in the shadow of the European Super League. Like all of us want it, you know, we're yep. anyway. <laughs> um, and because of that, I think also, no, I, like, I don't think Liverpool have a ton of money to spend. Um, so I'm not really expecting too much. We have to, we have to sell players to buy, I think at this point. Um, but no, I think the interesting, uh, uh, with, 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 a, a summer European tournament happening, you know, usually you get a few teams, you know, buy spending, spending more money than they probably should be, um, to buy like the sexy players of the tournament. Right. Like, so like, I wonder, like, is someone going to pay 45 million for Patrick Schick who, you know, just scored a bucket of goals for, what was it? Czechoslovakia, right? Or uh, Czech Republic, not Czechoslovakia. Jeez. Um, I probably just angered a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> uh, Czech Republic and, or, or that one guy um, ugh, from Denmark who simultaneously looks 13 and 30. Like he's like, has the, has the baby face, but like a receding hairline and just, yeah, I think he scored the free kick against England uh, to put him up. Um, 
but no, I mean, so yeah, I think there there are some players that that kind of emerge from the from the European tournament um, that that people could end up kind of taking a punt on. But no, I'm I'm not too aware of the current like I know like what Holland and and Mbappe maybe not this year, but you know in a year could be moving somewhere, and you know they're the next generations Ronaldo and Messi, so. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know about this year. And I think everyone's still trying to figure out valuations at this point in the current state of everything, right? Because we, we have that just about two or three years ago, everything just skyrocketed as far as prices are concerned. And so, and it seems like everything's cooling off now. Barcelona, the one, you know, the one city on a hill. Um, yeah, they don't have money. Like, so if you're, if you, let's, let's take the example of like Mo Salah, right? The classic trajectory for him would be okay yeah he, he scored a bunch of goals for liverpool won a premier league title won a champions league won a golden boot okay now you get your move to real madrid or barcelona or you know and real madrid are having their own issues barcelona definitely don't have the money and so it's like all right where do you go like if you really want to get that payday okay maybe psg but they're signing a buttload of players um they've got sergio ramos too um so yeah the the kind of rich landscape of clubs right now is it's it's different and valuations are changing so yeah it's 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 an interesting summer for for transfers i'm ready for the bubble to pop like i i really want to see players not being paid so absorbent prices like (laughs) it it has to end sometime because it's becoming to the point where it's like okay i guess you can only go to three clubs and even those three clubs are now like well we're kind of hurting for money actually yeah (laughs) yeah I mean, I just had this conversation. I can't remember if it was with you guys. If it was, just tell me we had this conversation. But I think it was with somebody at work where you look at the heyday of Barcelona, You know, whether it was 10 years ago when Pep was still there. That team was not made of you know, multi-jillion dollar superstars. That At one point, they fielded 11 starters that all came through their academy program. And then basically they got so big and they were so popular that you then become chasing like, well, what's the next thing? So then you go out and you start buying Neymar and you buy um, Suarez and you start buying all of these people. Dembele, and- Coutinho, Griezmann. Exactly. And so, and literally, and so it just becomes this, this, this game of like, how do you stay on top? Well, you got to keep spending money. Well, now all of these players that you were developing through La Masia is they're like fading away or they have to find somewhere else to play. And now they're Josh. To your point, their bubble has popped, and like they don't have any of these players coming through anymore, and they can't afford to buy big players. I and mean, Pedri so, looks incredible, but well, yeah. but are we are we in a state where having a super club for you know that's that's dominant in the way that Barcelona was dominant for that stretch of a few years? Is that just not achievable anymore? Unless you're a Man City and you could spend you know, a gajillion dollars every single season to buy whoever you want. Like people are feeling bad for a city because they might not be able to afford realish. <laughs> and um, seriously, is that a narrative? Pain. People are it, feeling yes. bad for it's a city. Like, it's like, oh, this might be, the, you know, it's going to be like 250 million. Uh, I don't know for two players. <laughs> and it's like, you just won the league last year and you want to go out and spend 250 on two players and they have to or they can't compete Guardiola is there I think they spent like 400 million on like yeah. right back no on right backs like <laughs> <laughs> listen I think that Pep is amazing but there's also this whole narrative of like he keeps going to big clubs with deep pockets and just buys whoever the heck he wants 
And like you give some of these other coaches that same sort of piggy bank and like who knows what they could do. But sorry, that no, feels I, a little ranty. To your question, <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think it's gonna even out anymore. I think if anything, the 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 um what's the word? It's not separation, but like the the splitting, the separation of of ultra rich clubs in in you know middling clubs. I I think the gap's only going to get wider. Yeah, like um, the golf is just getting larger and larger, and it's just yeah, it's very possible. I just don't want to see a situation where um, EPL becomes just like some of the other leagues, where it's like you have two good teams and everyone else is just meh. And it's like okay, well, I guess you're only watching it for those two clubs, and that's it. Like, see, but I'm I'm boring. really I'm really fascinated in that though because I would argue it it is that way, except it's not two, it's six. Well, yeah, um, in England or, it's six, which at least it's like you know getting close. Not it's not half the league, but it's still a lot better than you know. Right, but but I mean, in a lot of these other leagues, yeah, Spain, France. Oh, and like Spain, France. Okay, so Italy got shaken up this year, and Juve really dropped out of it. Germany, um, and that's not that's just the big. I mean, when you look at Croatia, uh, Switzerland, um, like Hungary, and like they have one team that have won for the past like fifteen years, and so like this, the the Champions League model and the European model keeps giving money to these teams and allows them to just keep separating themselves. There's so much money in, in European competitions now. And, and uh, yeah, I don't, and so I think it, it is weird how it's kind of already like that, but in England, they've still been able to get away with the narrative. Like anyone can beat anyone. And it's like, you're not wrong. But if you look at the top, if you look at the top five finishes in the past 15 years, they're all the same. Like you know, you have Leicester as a hiccup, but they're all they're all the same. It's not there's no surprises here. No one's no one's predicting that um, uh, I don't know uh, Burnley are going to finish top four next year, and it's not going to happen. So like, and okay, cue this sound clip next year. But, <laughs> um, but so, yeah, I don't know. They keep getting away with it. I guess is my point. As far think, as what I'm excited for though, as, yeah, as yeah. for signings that kind of stuff, I, for me it's like I kind of love like it's like the hopeless romantic part of like the Tom Davies and that kind of stuff, like a Academy or like a kid from the Academy coming up and, and making a mark. I'm not saying like, I want to see, you know, Academy kid suddenly become the star player of Everton or something like that. Cause I don't think that's likely or, you know, even conceivable, but at least a, a solid player who makes the first squad a lot. Like I want to see more of those situations because it's kind of like, harkens back to an older time as far as like watching clubs, you know, with academies and bringing them the academy kids up and, and making a difference and being able to play for a team that you've been playing for your whole life. And like what that means to these uh, players is awesome. So it's a little bit more of the, you know, fantasy story line going on, but it's just more fun in my opinion. I mean, Everton is Tom Davies, right? That's what I was talking about. Yeah. Tom yeah. Davies is like that example of like, you know, essentially the Rooney story, like the, you yeah. know, Wayne Rooney type of situation, same thing. So it, like those are more interesting to me than just like what player can we afford? And we got the best player on the market. So therefore we're going to be good. Like, like it's kind of boring. Yeah. And Mike, you got Grealish. Well, yeah. I mean, Villa has Grealish. I, I mean, I'm hyped because it sounds like Villa are going, are going to try to you know spend some money this, this off season. They already got Emi Buendia. Um, which I think is going to make a huge difference. But Josh, to your point, 
there's a number of youngsters that are coming up that are really promising. Um, you know, Aaron Ramsey came up last year and like he's looking promising. Carney Chukamweka is supposed to be. Yeah. Or Jacob Ramsey. Jacob Ramsey came up. <laughs> it's like his brother Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. Like a 30-year-old Welsh no, no, guy. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, his brother Aaron Ramsey is coming up. He's been training with the first team as well. They both have been. But but you know, there's all this talk of like you know, Aston Villa trying to go out and get Emmy Smith Rowe from Arsenal. And it's like, well, yeah, that would be an amazing signing. But then what happens to like a Chukamweka? Like, where does he fit into this? And like giving opportunities for some of these young players. The deep cuts of a middle and to lower end Premier League team. No, okay. no. <laughs> okay. Okay. They're, they're, they're going to be playing in Europe next year. Just wait. Just wait. It's going to happen. I think the one thing that, that that encourages me, and we need to we need to move on because this is gonna be a really long show. Um, I think the one thing that encourages me is teams like Arsenal and teams like Tottenham, where these are historic teams that have deep pockets, and I think they're realizing that they can't just buy their way out of anything. I mean, the, I'm not convinced that Tottenham is going to be any better this year than they were last year, especially if Kane insists on leaving. Arteta is trying to spend all the money in the world to completely revamp the team from top to bottom after they're out of Europe this year. They ended up eighth last season. Um, so I, there's hope, I mean, for, for some of these other teams. But, Kevin, to your point, I do think that there's enough money in some of these larger institutions. I mean, not counting City, but you talk about Liverpool United, where it's just they're, they're going to go buy their Sanchos and, you know, try to get their Canes and – I think that's the sickening part is like, you're so good and you just go out every year and you're like, no, I'm going to go steal the best player from that team and that team because we air quotes need them. And it's yeah. like, no, you don't. You're fine. Uh, okay. All right. Moving on quickly. Um, hey guys, there's a Hounds game this weekend. <laughs> we, oh, spent it, we spent the entire Hounds show not talking about Hounds, but that's all right. <laughs> um, we play uh, Loudon at home on Saturday night, 7 p.m. Last time we played Loudon, Kev, I think mm. you were like, you got to beat Loudon, right? Because they were on like a six-game losing streak. I and know. Respect yeah. that Loudon. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was that was me. I, I'm the one that said like, you have to beat Loudon. What are you doing? We, we lost two to one. Um, now, granted, it was, you know, there was a massive rain delay and there were a lot of things, but no excuses. You don't lose two to one to Loudon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now I'm doing it. Uh, the team, the team will have been off like ten days after going on like that crazy tear. This game has to be a win, right? I mean, well, I I'm doing it last again. Time. I'm doing saying. it again. But like, do we have any other choice at this point? Look, yeah, we could do as bad as we did last time. I'm just saying <laughs> that was a choice. Loudon didn't play terribly last time too. I, I've been. Ah. I silently impressed with how they've played this season. Granted, I mean their results have still been terrible. After after they beat us, they went and lost two more games. So like, their 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 results are terrible. Um, but I, like for, from from the two times we played them, their performance levels don't match their results that I'm seeing on Google. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I think the, the the best most encouraging thing is. We have the 10 days off, i.e. we're going to play the the players that we want to play. And, you know, the, Dixon, Ciceroni, Dequa, maybe you know, maybe Dequa in or out with someone else. 
Forbes, Griffin, probably Wharton, and then you know you can do some stuff with the defense, uh, especially for like wingback scenarios. But if all those players play, we're going to create chances, and and that's going to, you know, I'd say, you know, if if I'm betting on the game, there's a seventy percent chance I say that the Hounds win this game. I'd put it even higher. Like I, I feel like the the Hounds can absolutely and should absolutely win this game with the rested players, with the fact that it's loud and it's. I mean, I know they've played decently okay, I guess, even though they are not showing that in the standings. Um, there's no excuse to to lose this game. Like at home with the t- uh, rested legs, like this is a game that you, you need to win these games if you want to actually compete because these are the games you can't just like let slide and lose points on because points matter. So I would be very upset if they lost this game. Yeah. I feel like we're, we're through that stretch of that crazy 10 games in 40 days or whatever it was. Um, And now there's no excuse. You get 10 days off and basically we're playing every like once a week from here on out for the next, at least few weeks. Um, So you get to play your preferred team against a team that's below you in the table and you're at home, like, yeah, you, you got to win this game. So granted, we say that about every game because we're just those crazy optimistic Hounds fans, but you know. I don't feel like it's being optimistic to say you should beat the worst team in your conference. <laughs> like, I, I honestly don't. I, I feel like that's fine to, to set that expectation that the team that is the worst in your division is a team you should beat. Like, that's that seems okay to say. <laughs> Fair. It also feels, I mean, short of Hartford, it, it's also nice to see um, the the teams around us in the table starting to catch up in games. Um, I mean, Tampa still has two games on us and are, are three points ahead, which is not great. Um, but, you know, Miami is equal with games played with us. Charlotte's only one behind. Red Bulls have, are equal with us. And um, so, so, yeah, it, Hartford still have four games in hand on us, which is, is not good. But um i think before last time we recorded i, I remember that being a kind of a sticking point and uh yeah it, it feels a little unnerving when it, when a bunch of teams around you have games in hand but at least that's it's starting to slowly change yeah all right so we're all predicting wins here let us know what you think um guys before we get out of here we got to figure out how we're going to give away not only this sweet sweet jersey but we also have a hot spurs hat to give away um and we'll throw in the mask with the hat as well so um i think what we're going to do is this for those who are listening um and for those who are here with us live i think next week what we will do is um show up live and submit a comment and if you submit a comment you will automatically be entered to win the let's say the jersey we'll give the jersey away on next week's show yeah we'll go big let's go big let's do it um, so spread the word if you want. I mean, these things are super comfortable. I have one for myself. Um, I, can they I look it? awesome. I could, I could take it down. Um, they are super, super cool. You got to like the cool bridge on the back. Uh, it has the uh, WPSL logo on one side for the women's team. And you have the NPSL logo on the other side for the men's team. Um, yeah, man. Super, super sweet jerseys. I'm not going to be able to hang this back up again. So. What what size, Michael? We need they to... are larges, adult larges. So this whole thing is going to come down. If you could see this. Up. It's all going to come down on me right <laughs> I was now. waiting for it. <laughs> it's, it's a little sketchy. Um, 
So this yeah. is an audio medium, Michael. You have to describe what was sketchy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was trying to hang the shirt back up behind me, and I hung it on the rack where all my scarves are hung, and now the whole thing's going to just come crashing down. So we need to wrap this thing up. So anyway, <laughs> be here next Monday, 7.30 p.m. Join us live. Submit a comment. You will automatically be entered in to win the jersey. We will ship it to you. Um and it's yours. It's awesome. And then we'll have to figure out some way to give away the hat and the mask. So if you guys have thoughts on, uh, you know, submit reasons why we should give you the hat and mask. Maybe that's what we'll do. Go on Twitter or come to the thing and just tell us why you deserve a free hat and a mask from Hotspurs. And uh, best one gets it. So make them funny. Make us laugh. We can read some of them on air. Michael on his throne of scarves is like, That's just right. make me laugh. That's right. <laughs> Let's, go. Let's go. Make us laugh. It'll be fun. Look, uh, here's, here's what I think. It doesn't take much to make us laugh. So if we're laughing, like hopefully everybody else is laughing as well. And we all have a good time. So cheer everybody up. Um, guys, anything else? Uh, anything else before we get out of here? Sucks not having the hounds play in a week. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's yeah. you know. It really throws off my whole week. I'm like, oh man, what am I? What am I supposed to do? Yeah, it was weird. I mean, we just talked about I don't know how many games that happened this weekend, but it still felt like something was missing. It was, yeah, it was odd. So, all right. Well, thank you everybody for uh, for sticking around. Quick shout out. It looked like Kevin, our cousin Denny in Florida, was on for a while. Might still be uh, on. So, Denny. hey Denny, if you're here, um, good to have you. Even though I know you're not a Hounds fan. Um, Oh, that's why he did say hi to me. He that's said, right, hi. yeah. Michael and Kevin. I'm like, oh, who's this schmuck? Not saying hi to me. Oh, what am I, chop liver? All right, yeah. fine. Yeah. That makes sense. So, it's okay now. Uh, so, yeah. And thank you, everybody, who's always here and uh, and communicating. I didn't put any messages up on screen, but we do get to see them, um, and we talk about them, and, uh, and we appreciate you guys being here. And like we said, next week, that sort of stuff could get you a sweet kit. So... Thank you, everybody, um, for, for joining us this week. Make sure you head to mongols.com. Click on support the show to become a Patreon follower. This is your weekly reminder that Black Lives Matter. You know, we talked about everything that went on at the Euros. This is not a problem that's going away anytime soon. Tomorrow, uh, the USL is going to be dropping more of the uh, sweet jerseys that they worked in partner with to get um, for both championship and league one in support of the black lives matter movement. So make sure that you go and check those out. Thanks for roughneck scarves, official scar. Oh, hold on. Wait, I completely forgot the whole graphic thing. I'm, I'm way off my game here, guys. I didn't put up a new table. This is just, okay, here we go. And we're back. All right. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL and US soccer custom scarves, your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Com. Tired of the same old cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Looking for more great USL news? Head over to BGN.FM where we've now got over 100 fans that are running and podcasting about the beautiful game. Great features that go up on the site every single week. Go check them out at BGN.FM. Otherwise, Thank you, everybody. We will talk to you very, very soon. Ciao. <laughs> Later.